live from Columbus. It's the Zone of Truth. This week on the show, Griff and I discuss the updated goals and future of the HLP, play a round of It's Always Spooky and Galarian, bring back a fan favorite NPC to run the Rum Punch race, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. And we're back. Live. Live. Live seven. Live seven. I, I, it might be seven. I, I don't, don't know. know. We talked about this before going on. We're really not sure really on that number, sure. but I think it's seven. It, it will give it a Fast and Furious naming convention. Welcome to the seventh live episode. <laughs> Who does? Yeah. I'm, now I'm doubling down. It's seven. Okay. I'm doubling right. down. We'll check the tapes. Griffin, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Doing really well. Excited for this live episode. We've got some really cool stuff to talk about. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So, what are you drinking today? I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, I kind of. I guess what that are you was a rhetorical uh, question. It myself. <laughs> really set myself up here. So, this is a beer that I got a little while ago when I made a trip to the fancy uh, beer and spirits store close by. This is from a place called Sputnik Coffee. Oh wait, maybe that's not the brewery. The brewery is. Uni Annie? Oh boy, who knows? From Niles, Illinois. I guess it has Sputnik coffee in it because this is a Hubbard's Cave Iced Mocha Imperial Stout with chocolate, coffee, lactose, and vanilla beans. Uh-oh, did you take your lactate? Oops. Cheers. You should have read this to me beforehand. It's fine. It'll be okay. Uh, do, you, do you need to pause and take a lactate? No, I'm fine. All right, perfect. What do you think? That's good. It's roasty. Yeah, very roasty, very roasty, very tasty. And then we got a couple more beers on tap for when we're done here. We're going to be dipping into the PBR Stronger Seltzers, 8% ABV. We got a couple varietals here, strawberry, basil, lime, and one wild more. Berry. Wild berry. You got the wild berry. I got strawberry, basil, and then we both have a lime because that's surely going to be the best flavor. Yeah, lime's usually the best in these cases. Absolutely, as you've seen in the HLP Summer Draft of 2020. Lime had to be its own category, otherwise it wouldn't get picked. (laughs) Just crawling over each other to get to the limes. So, without further ado, let's get into the meat of this. What have you been up to, man? What have I been up to? Uh, I got a Kindle. Oh. Yeah, I've been reading some of the more obscure HP Lovecraft stuff. Like what? Just some of his short stories. I had never read uh, Dagon, but... um, I think I've gone through like five or so of them so far. They're only like 10 to 20 pages long. Yeah, they're not too bad. But they're evocative, certainly, of what's happening right now. There's one where the story is told from the viewpoint of a main character that's trapped in a defunct German U-boat. I love that idea. And like kind of discovers what you guys discover when you get to the bottom of Lake and Carthen that like there's Odegunga? Kind of not quite Odagunga. It's more like an Atlantis situation, but he realizes like there's this temple to some god, and when he shines the searchlight on it, he can't really see what's in it. But then he goes out to venture forth, and that's wow. where it kind of like cuts off. 
I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Fun. And you like a candle so far? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I've been watching an anime called, uh, well, we finished watching season one of an anime called Record of Ragnarok. Mm. It's. We were talking a little bit about this last premise. night. Let me just explain the premise here. So the anime starts with all of the gods from every different religion. So all of the pantheon gods mm-hmm. from like the North mythology, the Greek mythology, like the Hindu gods, that kind of stuff. And they're deciding whether or not to kill all of humanity. They say that humanity has ruined the earth with pollution and everything else and wars, and they should just end humanity and start over. And there's a, one of the Valkyries challenges them and is like, why would you just do that without doing Ragnarok? Ragnarok apparently is a fighting tournament where 13 of the gods and 13 exemplaries of human history face off one-on-one seven wins wins the tournament and decides whether humanity gets to continue on or not you know i didn't realize that ragnarok was a fighting tournament in mythology but you know i just have a lot to learn about norse mythology yeah it it was wild each couple of episodes is a god versus some legendary historic figure so the first one was thor versus lubu who i think is a um was like a Mongolian general or something. Mm-hmm. Then you have Zeus versus Adam, like the Adam of Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then you have some, I think he was a Japanese swordsman. I can't recall the name versus Poseidon. And then they end with a teaser. Season four is going to start with Hercules versus Jack the Ripper. I would say to those of you out there who are relatively unfamiliar with anime, this is a pretty standard anime. Pretty solid, line. yeah. But this like, sounds awesome. But the gods, you know, have their godly powers, but these exemplars of human, I guess, ingenuity and history or whatever, mm-hmm. like they brought on Jack the Ripper because he's the most prolific and uh, renowned killer. Yep. Like serial killer. They all have these like special powers which makes the humans kind of like meta-human and the gods are what you would expect uh, because they're gods. I really like this. It's wild. I mean, all the fights are to the death. So, Oh, interesting. Yeah. So gods may fall. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I won't spoil who, but... Oh, don't. Please don't because I'm definitely going to watch this. have fallen already. (laughs) And you know what? Speaking about anime on Netflix, and this will be, I guess, old news by the time this episode actually drops, but I found out this morning that season two of Beastars comes out this week. Oh, hell yeah. So we're (laughs) going to... We're talking about next time. Honestly, I had something planned for next Zone of Truth, but I think it's just going to be a a 90-minute Beastars season two recap. Beastars season two recap. Here we go. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm so excited for that. All right. I got a couple things that I've been into lately, if you're interested. So... I've got a good scary movie for people to check out. Did you ever get into any of that R.L. Stein or Goosebumps stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. See, the thing is, I didn't. Okay. Never, never really got into it. Never tried it. I was always too scared. You guys know me. Scary cat. But when I saw that they were making Fear Street movies on Netflix, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, that cultural touchdown passed me by. I'm not going to check it out. Then I saw a good review. And then I saw that the first one they made, there's going to be a trilogy of these mm-hmm. movies. One that takes place in 1994, one that takes place in, I think, 1978, and then one that takes place in a year. I'm not sure which one yet. But they're releasing last Friday, yesterday, and then next Friday. One right after the other. 
and the first one was rated R. So I'm like, okay, that's odd for like a children's book adapted movie. And I watched it and it fucking rocked. Yeah. It was so good. It was like a little less hokey version of Scream. Like it was this awesome, amazing homage to old 90s slasher movies. It was so well done. The characters were compelling. The villains were cool. It rocked. I think you'd really, really like it. Yeah, I should definitely watch those. I liked Fear Street. I liked uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mm -hmm. All of the Goosebumps stuff, obviously. Yeah, and apparently these three movies will be a, a some, somewhat of a trilogy. I'm very excited to see the next one, which came out yesterday. I'm probably going to watch it tomorrow. But that one is supposed to be their play on like summer camp type slasher, mm -hmm. which is a genre that I love. Yeah. So I'm so excited. Uh, moving forward, I saw another movie that was equally, if not better. This is Fast 9. <laughs> saw this in theaters. Yep. I'll tell you what. I went with Brooks and Emily and we were having the time of our lives. At one point, our heroes are in cars. This is very early on in the movie, so it's not a spoiler, but they're driving through a minefield and they have to drive fast enough that when they drive over the landmines, they will already be gone by the time that uh, the, the mine time explodes. Yeah. And that sounds very jokey and it is, but... Also, it was just an exceptionally well done action sequence. Like it was fun and goofy and ridiculous, but also it was just really, really cool to watch. So I know that the Fast and Furious movies right now are getting memed to death and they are objectively ridiculous, but this was fun as hell. I had the time of my life. Yeah, I mean, it's indulgent. There's, That's a very good word yeah, for it. All of those movies are indulgent, which, you know, is pretty much all of the movies you watch. So mm. it's fair. I mean, you like you like to see the shitty things and like to, you know, I, I wouldn't say most of the movies any of us watch together are cinematic masterpieces, considering you finished the Twilight franchise last week. Well, hold on. That's the next thing I was going to okay. talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and what I'll say is. I did have a moment a few weeks ago where I looked at myself in the mirror. This is not a joke. And I was like, do I even like anything anymore? Do or, I even like it? Or, <laughs> or, or have I just dived into layers and layers of irony and just can't enjoy things for themselves anymore? I'm not sure. Um, but I'm, As I'll your tell friend, you what. I, I wonder the same thing. I'll tell you what, listeners. Last Zone of Truth, Griffin and I were talking about some of the inspirations for Vec, and I, had, I was getting some inspiration from watching Robert Pattinson movies, and I had never seen Twilight before. So in the last two weeks, I've seen all five Twilight movies, and I'm bringing it back, baby. Twilight's good again. I love Twilight. Good again? Yes. Again? It was big for a while. I think it's dropped off, but it's time to come back. I had the time of my life. All five movies. I'm Team Edward. Don't even come at me with that Team Jacob bullshit. I love. <laughs> it's really conflicting with your furry side, man. I'm, I like. I don't I know. know where to go with you anymore. Like I don't. I don't understand. Usually, I think I have you pegged, and then you pick the side that's completely opposite of all of your core values. I mean, I know you want you want to get me pegged. We all know that. However, <laughs> however, <Sick> scoop. <laughs> all right, I don't have a follow up to that. I really thought I was gonna bullshit my way through that. I'll tell you what, guys. Tonight. Make yourself a bucket of popcorn, <laughs> crack open a beer, or nine, put on Twilight, you're going to have a good time. Don't watch it with anybody, watch it by yourself. 
So you can just really get into that thematic experience. And I'm going to be doing a significant amount of retconning on the character of Vec. Sure you will, yeah. Changing up uh, the way his curse manifests. And now he's a uh, dampier, I think. Mm -hmm. We still need to talk about that, Griffin, and how we're going to work that into the story, but we will. Yeah, Um, I'm sure that'll that'll happen at some point. Yeah, it's very good. I love Twilight, guys. I'm into it now. (laughs) Haley, you're having the time of your life. Here first, folks. Steve loves Twilight. I do. He's into it now. I think I'm going to buy some t-shirts or something. I think these like quarantine updates have kind of been like a, like I kind of give my, my little thing that I'm doing. And then we just watch you devolve as a person week over week over week. Yeah. See, cause that's the thing. We like, like I said, like I, like I like, said I earlier, like quarantine updates make the listeners concerned about your mental health. Like I said earlier, when I looked at myself in the mirror and don't know if I actually like things anymore. I don't know because like I legitimately enjoyed those movies and I don't think I should. Here's me. My <laughs> quarantine update. Watch an anime, read a little bit of books. Steve's quarantine update. I'm not really sure if I can enjoy things anymore. <laughs> I don't really know about myself or like what's going on. Hey, Fear Street was fun. <laughs> Psycho. <laughs> I'm doing great, guys. Let's talk about some of the fun things that are happening in the HLP verse. <laughs> All right. So if you have not heard the big fun update from, oh, I see that you just got a whiff of your PBR stronger. Thoughts on that? Okay. That's the best 8%er I've had. Why? Why is that good? Yeah, it shouldn't be. It's good. It's great. PBR brought it. PBR, fuck's sakes. If I like the lime, I'm. We might be switching teams to uh, Team PBR. Team D- yeah, we're going to have to give them the blue ribbon. Absolutely. All right. You know what that beverage would look great in, though, Griffin? A retro HLP koozie? Absolutely. So for those of you who did not hear that big old update, what we're doing here is we're doing a little uh, incentive program. Bump the Patreon a little bit. Give back to the people. And get rid of some of these old koozies that we have. So we have a whole bunch of these really cool old original flagship art HLP koozies with the laughing skull. This is the rusted chrome artwork, big hideous laughter and nasty looking letters. If you sign up to the Patreon right now and hold that subscription, $5 or more, you're getting one of these koozies. Yeah. And also you might be asking, hey, man, I'm already on the Patreon. How can I get me a koozie? Well, and bump that subscription up a little bit. We'll toss you a koozie, all right? Yeah. Effective July. Yeah. From effective July, July is backdated a little bit. So there are some people that have joined or have up their subscription since. They're going to get a koozie. It's going to be fun. And then uh, go ahead and take a picture of that and show it off on all your social medias. <laughs> go ahead and take some pictures. Yeah. But so that's really exciting. And it's the last time we're ever printing these ones. That's true. So it's not going to happen again. Like the red, these koozies, the original koozies that were at PaizoCon and GenCon and nowhere else. Could you get them? This is the uh, only other way you can get them. Yeah, we gave them out to, to a few people. We never sold them. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You can't go out and get one. You got to be on the Patreon. Haley, looks like you're uh, going to chime in for a second here. Yeah, we just have a question, uh, which is, can we expect any updated koozies in the future? That's why we're getting rid of these. Absolutely, yes. We're gonna we're gonna make new cool ones. What are we throwing on there? I don't know. Probably the production's logo, but still curse or something. They're gonna be cool. But these are awesome, and they're a little piece of HLP history. So 
You should want them. But maybe you're more of a glassware person. Maybe cans aren't your thing. Aluminum might intimidate you. So maybe you crack open that PBR stronger seltzer and pour it into a glass. <laughs> Would it not pair perfectly with an HLP glass? I would say yes. I've been drinking out of my HLP glass and everything I drink out of it tastes better. Weird. Me too. Yeah. So check out our Etsy store online. We got awesome new HLP glasses and some really cool new merch stuff. So you can get a Bestow Curse t-shirt, the HLP Productions logo, which is really modern and sleek and cool. And I think Haley's got something that she's got oh, to say. Just the hat I'm wearing is available Ah, as well. that's what she's pointing out. Yeah. Yes, we have new... Um, production skull hats in addition to all that so yeah it's a nice hat so definitely check that out and finally the big tent pole stuff that's really exciting the actual future of the show so we came up with some new goals we got three new tiers so once our patreon gets to two thousand dollars a month we're gonna be producing a brand new show this is called ears of the city and Griff, what is this show? Well, this is a show for those of you that hate me and Steve hosting, because we'll be taking more of a backseat on this show. Put it in cruise control. Put it in cruise control. Uh, as the two of us still joining, the rest of the Bestow Curse crew will be talking specifically Bestow Curse. So every couple of Bestow Curse episodes, we'll be reviewing how far we've come, what we've done in those past couple of episodes, taking listener questions, that kind of thing. We've started to feel that with all of this content, Linked Legacy, Bestow Curse, the main HLP show, it's a little difficult to cover all of that in Zone of Truth. And so we wanted to create an option that, you know, once we hit this $2,000 stretch goal, we will release this on the Bestow Curse feed for everybody uh, for free. But it'll uh, it'll be kind of like this show, but a little less of the you know segments and mm-hmm. goofy stuff we do, and more of the talking bestow curse. Yeah, this is going to be very focused. This is going to be a good recap. We are going to take some bestow curse themed questions. Those are going to happen. This is going to be awesome. I'm really excited. It's going to be a clean format, and it'll be packaged on that feed. For everyone to check out. Yeah, and you'll get to hear me talk about the conversion stuff there because I know Ooh, that's yeah, the, that you know, was the thing I'm most excited about. Yeah, I, I know that's a, a thing that a lot of people have been asking about, wondering about. You know, what are you using for the conversion? What did you do? What did you change? The um, you know that that'll be a good place for me to reflect on the past three episodes and say, oh, here's how this guy was built, or here's what we did here. Because there are some great conversions out there, but even with up to episode seven, I've taken a little bit of deviations on that stuff. So it'll be good to talk about. Absolutely. All right. We got two more tiers or or goals that we're going for here. I'm going to blow through these quick because I don't know that there's a whole lot of explanation that needs to happen. At 3K, we're doing Linked Legacy every week. So what does that mean for you folks? That means new modules, more variants in characters, more variants in GMs. It's going to be awesome. We're about to record the first couple episodes of the Haley Run Realm of the Fell Knight Queen. It's going to be our third module we do on Link Legacy. You all, Patreon listeners listening right now, are going to be hearing that 
we had a very, very fun dinner last night where we all got together and talked about our characters and what we're going to do with the story. So super stoked about that. But with this goal, we're going to be doing that more often. So lots of new adventures for you guys. And that is something to be really excited about. Yeah, this will be an opportunity too. I think those of you that have been listening to Link Legacy have realized we've been doing the 32 page modules. This will be an opportunity for us to expand to some of the bigger modules uh, just because what we didn't want with Link Legacy was to get you one story a year. (laughs) And and that's kind of what that would be if we if we were doing the 64 page modules. They just they take 30 episodes to complete. If you think about a regular book in an adventure path, which is what the size of those are and doing that every other week, you only get 26 episodes a year. So we thought the 32 pagers were probably better for folks to kind of enjoy us actually rotating through some people at the beginning. Yeah, it, the 32 is a great fit for now, but we can expand that if we do go weekly. And then finally, the big ticket goal, the five grander bestow curse every damn week. Yeah. That's going to be a good time. I'm hyped for that. That is the toughest thing we edit right now. So trust me when I say that the time that's going to go into that is not something we took lightly, which is why it is behind a $5,000 goal. It's a lot, but, um, you know, if, if we get there, it's coming out. Yeah, it is a significant amount of work to get that show out and we're going to continue it and we love it. But if it's something we want to do weekly, maybe tell some of your rich friends about this show. <laughs> friends about our Patreon. Tell your JP Moneybags friends. Yeah. Tell them they could get a koozie. Exactly. Gabakoo. Precisely, <laughs> yes. That's what we're looking for. Get your sugar daddies and mamas on the HLP train because you probably want to hear this go weekly. How many sugar mamas do you think you could get from the, the OnlyFans? I'll just say uh, five grand a month ain't going to be nothing. <laughs> uh oh. I'll get my editing ready. Talk about that off air. All right. So our first big segment we're doing tonight is a fan classic. This is called It's Always Spooky in Galarian. So in this segment, Griff and I are both taking turns presenting hooks for horror themed adventures based in the world we love to play in. It's truly always spooky in Galarian. And I want to kick this one off, Griffin, because when this was voted on to be our segment for this week, I wasn't feeling inspired and I had to think about it hard, but then something hit me. It's a four word pitch that I think is pure gold. Killer Cobalt Summer Camp. Let that sink in for a second. I see the chat blowing up. People love it. All right. So (laughs) no one has typed anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, the chat's erupting. It's crazy. Things are getting a bit crowded under the Aspidel Mountains. Queen Atrixia, bearer of the sacred yoke and empress under the craggy peaks, has had enough of these rowdy teen kobolds spreading pheromones and mischief all throughout her warren. You and your fellow scamps star in this adventure as teenage kobolds sent away to spend the summer camp in a nearby Chitterwood forest. As typical summer camp pranks quickly escalate from harmless to grisly, will your angsty teenage kobolds have the strength to stand against the evil spirit picking off campers and counselors alike? Will you end up kissing your crush before summer's over? Will your team win the annual camp softball game? Welcome to Killer Cobalt Summer Camp. I'm going to homebrew this adventure. Okay. Put it on Link Legacy. Put it on Link Legacy. (laughs) 
That's where it belongs. All right. So I think this is something in the theme of Big Trouble in Little Absalom. You have kind of a set cast or you just force everybody to be kobolds. Yeah. And you send them to summer camp where kobolds are tricksy. They make a lot of traps. So that's going to be the first part of the adventure. Some of these traps are going off and you're playing pranks on each other. Maybe there's some rivalries between different bunkhouses. You always see that in these sleepaway camp type movies. But then maybe somebody turns up dead. Maybe things start to escalate a little bit. And the Chitterwood Forest, which is close to the Aspidel Mountains, is home to hundreds of goblin and hobgoblin tribes. These are survivors of the goblin blood wars that took place in the area. And goblins, well, I don't know if they don't, but probably don't like kobolds. Who knows? So, uh, they don't like kobolds. I'm making that canon now. So I imagine there's some animosity there. And also in these forests, I was doing a little bit of research. There's a lot of dark and evil fae. So, you know, brownies we saw in Carnival of Tears module yeah. could be causing some trouble. And now these pranks start to escalate a little bit. Man, are they really pranks anymore? But then people actually start showing up dead and show up dead. <laughs> all right man well when you start picking about the concept like this it starts to fall apart well I, i'm just wondering like the concept of showing up dead you you don't show up you turn up right mm. okay like Fair. you turn up dead someone has to seek you out when you're dead unless, unless they're turning into zombies i was gonna say unless you're undead i mean this is a concept that I'm very passionate about, and the fact that you're just uh, picking apart semantics really hurts my feelings. <laughs> I'm glad it does. All right, so <laughs> what's he going to talk about on the next uh, quarantine update? Killer Cobalt Summer Camp. <laughs> my friend was really picking apart my idea. This <laughs> is I feel really this upset. Is, this is a rock solid thesis. So no, I love this idea. All right, because I think it'll be a little lighthearted and fun and goofy. It's kind of like the Mosquito Witch in that way, right? It's yeah, kind of like. It's kinda like or in, in reverse, right? Because Mosquito Witch was kind of like, oh, here's this like dark and serious concept. And but I think it's... you said you could you could flavor it differently. They right, give you options. Right, yeah. So for those of you guys that love those like 80 Summers Camps movies, this I think is going to be a lot of fun. I'm not. Well, it's not going to be. No one. Ever, no one's ever going to make this, but would be a lot of fun. And there's even a pretty cool, nasty creature that I read a little bit about that is related to the Chitterwood Forest. It's called a hodag. Apparently there's a shadowy hodag that people have rumored is hiding in these woods and killing people. And this hodag is this kind of giant lizardy creature, which would be a good enemy for kobolds. And it's shadowy. So, uh, Griffin, thoughts? Oh, I, I love the idea. I think... If you're going kobold specifically, mm -hmm. no offense to the idea, but I feel like you could do anything. You could do any one race thing, summer camp, right? right? You could do goblin summer camp. But kobolds are funny. But co yeah, kobolds are funny. Mm -hmm. What I was thinking as you talked about this is you could do with kobolds a really good rendition of Saw. Because oh, boy. With, with if you got like a sadistic tribe of kobolds mm -hmm. because they're so good at making traps say the dragon they worship worships Zonkathon or something. Yep. I think you could do a really good like saw dungeon. You know, I'm 100% in on this. Yeah. That'd be really I love fun. kobolds yeah. and I love saw. So, I mean, those are the two things people know about me. 
Imagine like the Hellraiser-y kobolds, like they're like the all white scaled kobolds, but they like pierce themselves with the spiky things to look like chitons. I guess it would be interesting to see kobolds portrayed in a way that wasn't goofy or somewhat comical mm-hmm. or whatever. That would be a lot of fun. That would be cool. That's a very good alt to Killer Cobalt Summer Camp. Yes. But Killer Cobalt Summer Camp coming 2022. 2022. <laughs> I'm calling it now. Coming to a theater near you. Yeah. So what do I want to see from this? I want to see underwear on flagpoles. I want to see... Do kobolds wear underwear? They will in this. Um, <laughs> I want to see water balloon fights. I want to see flag football. I want to see all of the things that you would expect from a summer camp movie. I want to see counselors hooking up with each other. I want to see people trying to kiss their crushes. I want to see this dance at the end of the season. Who's going to ask who to the dance? Do you even survive long enough to get to the dance? I'm running out of cliches. It really sounds like you, you just want us to play monster prom summer camp. (laughs) Again. Oh, maybe we should do that tonight. (laughs) That sounds great. Yeah, that's something that's I'm very exactly into. this concept, right? Except it's it's a little less horror. The the monsters are the monsters in Monster Prom. Yeah, but to your point though, I think you could very easily mosquito witch this, ratchet up the horror or ratchet it down depending on how you want to do it. Yeah. You know, fit the audience. But with kobolds, you can get very very goofy or you could take it very very hellraiser or uh, saw like. So, that'd be fun. Yeah. What did you have in mind? Well, I thought this was more like, what horror would you do in a region? And I wanted to challenge myself, so I picked Kionin. That's a good challenge. Is is not really a horror-y place, so I, it was kind of a good thought experiment. Because Kionin is the land of the elves, mm-hmm. basically. It's where the elves lived before Earthfall, and then they used the Savorian stones, these teleportation stones that allowed them to go back to their home planet, Castroval, uh, and they left for Earthfall, most of them. So there's a couple of things in this region that I think would make a really good horror story. The first is story would actually take place right around Earthfall. Oh, fun. And in a similar vein to yours, everyone would have to be elves. Mm-hmm. But it would be kind of the story of abandonment of settlements. So, like, think the world is ending and the Ark is left. And you have to figure out what to do to survive Earthfall in these huge, elaborate cities and stuff that are just empty. So that... I am legend a little bit. Yeah, a little bit I am legend, and I think you could... You know, with Earthfall, a lot of evil was kicked up in the world. And I think you could really play with that and play with how that would impact the kind of those that are left. Uh, so you, you'd be playing along with the Forlorn. That's, I think, what they called them. The mm-hmm. ones that were left behind on Galarian that didn't necessarily immediately become Drow. The other interesting thing is that in 2500... Roughly. So about-ish 2,000 years before Rise of the Rune Lords and beyond. Mm -hmm. And this was before the elves came back. Mm -hmm. The demon lord, Sith the Sug. Never heard of him. Was almost overthrown Mm -hmm. by another demon lord who was under him, known as Tree Razor. 
And instead of Sithisug killing him, like most demon lords do when their underlings attempt to usurp them, Tree Razor was banished to Kionin and attempted to use these teleportation stones and, I guess, turn them to his favor, taint them in order to bring the armies of the Abyss onto Galarian. And this pissed the elves off, and they, they eventually came back, which is why the elves come back 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. and fought back Tree Razor to an area called the Tanglebriar, okay. where he still resides. And all of Kionin is this insular, misty, forested land, but Tree Razor's domain is a massive swamp. Okay. And people don't come out of this swamp. He's tainted the land. Do we know anything about this swamp? Do we not know a lot because people don't, don't come, come back, back out? Yeah. Yeah. It's called the Tanglebriar. That's what we know. Get tangled. Uh, so I think an adventure there could go very Blair Witch. Oh, that's a really, really good call. Yeah, because I like it, that analogy. The, the only yeah. things that survive there now are demons mm-hmm. and evil fae. And so if you wandered into the tangle briar, how do you untangle that? Great question. So I think that would be a really fun adventure. That would be adventuring into the tangle briar in order, because cities were lost, mm-hmm. right? With the corruption of tree razor, there are things worth getting in the tangle briar. So here's where my mind goes. I like to think about things like The Last of Us or cool shows on the Discovery Channel where they say, like, what if humanity disappears today? What will the cities look like in 100 years or what have you? So going into that swamp and seeing big, tall buildings rising out of the mist and they're choked with vines and moss and creatures that have re-inhabited these spaces... I love seeing old human structures get retaken by nature, and it's just a little scary. Yeah, and that was pretty much all of Keonan. Yeah, it plays on a something that's like intrinsic to humans. When you see human stuff reclaimed by nature, it's cool and beautiful, but also a little creepy. Something else about humans, this is the final horror scenario I could see played out. Mm-hmm. Keonan in modern day is super insular, and... Outsiders are only allowed in three cities. Mm-hmm. And they're given special permission to be there. And so the horror that I think is more of a modern horror of being stuck in a strange place without the ability to go back, bureaucracy is keeping you from going back, kind of like losing your passport or being arrested in yeah. a foreign country. But there are elements of the government in Keonan that actively hate other races. And so if you got captured by the Winter Council in Keonan, they're this group of elves that think that, like, elf culture superior to all, we should expel all of the foreigners from Keonan, and we should take violent action against those that are here. Mm -hmm. And so to be a group of non-elves in that scenario and captured by the Winter Council would be kind of terrifying. Ooh, I do really like that. I'm getting end of 
Black Hawk Down vibes, or that's yeah, obviously a quite a different situation, but something like that, or The Purge, I think is a good analog to that, where you're in a spot where everyone's out to get you and there's nowhere to hide because no one's going to take you in. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah, and it's weird because even the queen of the elves in Kionan, Queen Adasserol, allows the Winter Council to, you know, they're a part of the government. Mm -hmm. And so there's clearly not like, there's kind of a hands-off stance. She cares about freedom, but she cares more about freedom for the elves. Yeah. And so the fact that this country's government would probably allow that to happen to you as an ambassador from another country is kind of horrifying. Yeah, you gotta wonder how much does she really care about other races if she allows that to exist? In exactly. Government. That's yeah. scary. So there's there's no help. Right. And there's no help coming because... Even the good guys allow these bad guys to exist. So what does that say about the good guys? Right. Nobody has enough diplomatic relations with them to mm -hmm. be able to come in and, and extract you. Yeah. They actively hate the Pathfinder Society in Kionan. And and I think a lot of people sometimes lose sight that elves in Pathfinder aren't like the elves in Tolkien fantasy. Like, they are actually aliens. Their ears are super, super long, and their eyes are just completely black orbs. There, there's some things about them that make them somewhat beautiful, but they're very alien. Yeah. So to have that all around you and them all to hate you is kind of creepy. Yeah, and they're all like hundreds of years older than you. <laughs> yes, they've seen some shit. That's my that's my take. Now you take some kobolds. They're teenagers. Throw them in the queue. Summer, summer camp in the queue and swamp. <laughs> summer camp in the Tegelbry. And I think you've got an A plus concept. There we go. All right, coming twenty twenty two. All right, Griffin. I had an idea for this episode. This is going to be a little strange, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You want to play along with me for a second here? Yeah. All right. So I wasn't exactly sure what was going to make it on to this agenda today because I put out the poll to our patrons and we had a tie for a long time. The tie got broken. And of course, you all voted on It's Always Spooky and Galarian as a segment that you wanted to hear today. But I did a little prep on a mystery segment that I didn't want to completely axe. So here we go. This is completely non-canon, obviously. Just some fun stuff that I wanted to put together. So this is a little bit of a departure from a standard Zone of Truth segment. Here's what's going to happen. I have asked Griffin to bring back an old Carrion Crown NPC who in an alternate universe found themselves instead at the Rum Punch Festival on the island of Lily White at the beginning of the Pathfinder 1E module Plunder and Peril. This NPC will participate in what's called the Lucky Drunks Challenge. This adventure, what we're doing today is obviously non-canon, and there's something very important that I'm going to note here, that this segment does not contain spoilers for the module Plunder and Peril. So listening along is going to get you nothing except a little flavor and basically an irrelevant minigame from the first couple pages of the adventure. So don't worry, you don't have to turn this episode off. You're not going to get spoiled in case you want to play that in the future. Plunder and Peril is a very, very cool module. It's one of those 64 pages that we were talking about, but it is divided into three sections. Each of those sections can be played individually as a very, very short adventure, but they're tied together. So you could do it as a three part 64 page module. These are also written so that you could insert all three of them 
or one or two of them into the Skull and Shackles adventure path, which a lot of people do. Yeah. So I took that, which I've read before. I found something fun in there. We're playing through it today. Griffin, which one of our fan favorite NPCs is coming back today to take the Lucky Drunks challenge? Well, it is I, Seymour Wiener. <laughs> the chat's blowing up. People love it. They, they're so excited. <laughs> Seymour is back today. One night only. So let's set the stage here. Where are we? Lily White is a pirate-friendly town constructed on two small islands sitting just inside a deep water cove off the coast of Mutaku Island one of the largest islands in the Shackles. Both islands that make up Lily White are connected to each other and the larger island by bridges and are covered by small, well-made buildings. Today, festive flowers and palm frond garlands hang from various bridges, buildings, and statues, and the cove is packed with ships. Throngs of revelers carouse through the town while singing and drinking from frothing tankards. Seymour Wiener is currently in a packed tavern slash temple to Caden Kalian about to participate in the Lucky Drunks Challenge, celebrating during the annual Rum Punch Festival. This is a local celebration marking a time in history when Sargavan slavers traveling through the shackles all got super trashed on rum made magically potent by Caden Kalian so that those slaves could escape. They took one drink and they were on their ass. Slaves went free and now everybody celebrates it. So Griffin, are you ready to play the Lucky Drunks Challenge and see if Seymour Wiener can win. Absolutely. I have my character sheet up. All right, cool. So the Lucky Drunks Challenge can be played by a party, but it's scaled in such a way that one person could play by themselves, which is kind of why we're doing this today with just the two of us. Seymour Wiener is sitting at a table with several other drinking patrons. Who's at this table? Let's see. Hmm. Say there's an orc. There is a cleric dwarf of a rastal. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep. And there's a very sexy tiefling. The goal of this game is to outlast the other patrons at the table, or if you're feeling particularly thirsty and ambitious, beating the all-time local record. Griffin, is Seymour Wiener feeling a little thirsty today? I don't see why not. So you think he might be going for that record? Yeah, why not? All right, cool. So here's how this is going to work. Every round, the bartender is going to set down an array of drinks. Most of them are standard strength, equaling one drink. Mm -hmm. Many of them are double strength, meaning two drinks. And one of the selection is amazingly potent at three drinks. Each round, what you can do is you can identify which drinks are which using a knowledge local check. Do you have knowledge local? Absolutely not. (laughs) All right. They do have another concession here. Do you have a brewing-related profession check? I can't say that I do. Are you a Caden Kalian worshiper? Uh... (laughs) No, Desna. Okay. So you're going to be pulling your drinks randomly. Okay. Because, you know, you can't tell what booze is what. Can I say he's an experienced drinker? I'll tell you what, there is a DC to hit with a knowledge local check. What is your intelligence modifier? A minus two, Steve. I'll give you a flat (laughs) knowledge check to hit a DC 15. Oh, boy. To see if you can figure it out. All right. So you're going to have to roll really high, but it's possible. If you fail or do not have the proper skills on that check, you're going to roll D20. What does that mean? 
If you roll a natural one, you got to drink the triple strength. Mm -hmm. If you roll a two through a nine, you take down the double. Ten or above is the standard. Okay. You're only doing one drink around, and you are going to be trying to outlast your competition. If you outlast your competition, which is a D4, I think, plus four is how many rounds you have to beat, which I've pre-rolled, and I'm Mm -hmm. not going to tell you what that is. Okay. You win, but you could keep going and beat the local hero to get in a little extra surprise. So you do have a threshold here. You can safely put down drinks equal to your con modifier times two plus one without risk of getting sick. What is your con modifier? Con modifier is a plus two. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, so your threshold is going to be five before we need to even start worrying about anything after that. Mm -hmm. So for every drink beyond this number, you roll a fortitude save. Sure. The DC to stay in the game is kind of challenging. It's 15 plus the number of drinks beyond the safety number, which is five. So if you're on, if you just drank drink number six, you're looking at a DC 16. Gotcha. So a little difficult, but possible. So are you ready to begin the Lucky Drunks Challenge? Absolutely. Does Seymour Wiener have any words? The cleric of Arastal seems already drunk. I'm uh, feeling quite thirsty. Um, I'll have a beer, and then I'll have another beer. <laughs> Three beers, four beers, five beers, six beers. The bartender, it, her eyes go wide. She's never seen a man of your stature before sit down at the, her table. Yeah, he's he's like Andre the Giant palming a beer. You know what I mean? Like the can. Uh-huh. Can't even see the can past his... Yeah. So she's going to mention to you, you know, I've seen this local hero, Thales the Gaulus, drink 11 drinks or 11 equivalent drinks. I can't remember because some are worth more than others. Can you beat 11, my friend? I've had 11 beers before. I, I drink 11 beers to get myself to sleep. Oh, interesting. Well, I've just tried this strawberry basil stronger seltzer from PBR. It's fine. Would you like to try it? Sure. This doesn't count towards your total. It's not bad. For an 8 percenter, it'll do you right. I'll tell you what, you're not going to hate the lime either. Interesting. Can I try it? Yeah. I've had much worse lime at a much lower ABV. <laughs> All right. <laughs> do these count as the double? Yes. They're PBR hard seltzers. <laughs> All right. So the bartender puts down a big plate of drinks. You don't have a knowledge local check or another check that's going to do you. So give me that flat knowledge. Oh, boy. (laughs) Natural one. All right. I bet you're glad you didn't roll that on your drink selection. Yes. So give me your D20. I'm going to cycle away from that die. These first couple rounds are going to go quick because you've got that safety of five drinks. You can just right. take them. I have five, so I got the double strength. All right. So round one, you take down two drinks. Maybe belch loudly, but I'm sure you're good to go for round two. Yep. Okay. Round two. Give me your knowledge local. Actually, just a regular flat check. Nope. Okay. Give me your D20. Nine. Okay. That is another double. All right. I'm still okay. 
So Seymour Wiener has put down the equivalent of four beers in two rounds. Mm-hmm. And nobody has left the table yet. You still right. have all three adversaries together. So we begin round three. The bartender puts down a new tray of drinks. See if you can figure out what's what. Uh, I cannot. Oof. It's a 17 on the die for me to figure it out. I think. Yeah, it's, it is <laughs> tough. I mean, really, you shouldn't be rolling at all, but I want to give you something. So what are you actually going to pull? Uh, 17 on the die. Wow. So one, one drinker. Ooh. So how does he feel finally drinking something that is not pretty brutal? What did you want of this one down? Oh, you're so silly. All right. The bartender comes out. It's the beginning of round four, and the orc falls off his chair. He's too drunk. We have two more combatants left. You are not through it yet. The competition still sits at your table. Sure. This is where things get dangerous, though, because you are at your threshold. So you're going to have to roll a fortitude save no matter what you pull after this. Mm -hmm. All right. Can you determine what drinks are which? I can with a natural 18. Wow, he can do it. All right. You can figure it out. What do you want to do? I'm going to drink the one. Drink the one. Okay. I mean, hey, it's up to you. You can do whatever. So I don't have much faith in these dice rolls. You put that one beer down and you start feeling a little rumbling. Mm-hmm. Now the tiefling falls out of his chair drunk. He's done. The dwarf's still in it. But can you keep it down? Yes, I can, baby. Yeah, what'd you get? 17 total. 17 total. You had to beat a DC 16. I know I did. That's that's something else. Okay. But I am quite fortitudinous. <laughs> All right. So it is round five. You this is going to be Try and figure it out. Natural 20. Fuck. I'm picking the one. Here we go. Here we go. He's picking the one. So you are going to have to hit a DC 17. I know. On your fortitude. Can you do it? Let's out. Fuck. No. What'd you get? 16. 16. Seymour Wiener. Describe the vomit. Uh, I literally needed a 10 on the die. I got a nine. Mm. Uh, it's all over the floor. No. And get to the mopa. <laughs> That's very good. The bouncers come up. It's a burly orc and a burly kitsune. Come on. And, this they, thing. and they drag you out on your ass and throw you into the street. You're too drunk to go. You do not outlast the dwarf who is a cleric of Arastil. You just had to survive one more. It was six I rounds. One higher on the die. Yes. And you did put down or you were putting down your seventh drink. You had to beat 11 to take down the local hero, which is pretty tough. This is supposed to be for a level four PC. So it's not easy. But what's cool is that if you win, you get a chalice that's worth 250 gold. And that's great. But if you beat the local hero, you get a gold gem encrusted chalice, which counts as a plunder point in Skulls and Shackles. If you do put this in your Skulls and Shackles game. Some of the Skulls and Shackles drinking games had like misdirection things in them was this one just straight 
you gotta drink it or could you like sleight of hand to like pour some of it out or do any of that shit um, I guess if we talked about this beforehand, I might have let you do that. There was nothing like that written in. But one of the fun things that was written in was that if you're playing with several of your teammates together and both of you roll natural ones to pull your drink and you're both supposed to take the one triple strength drink. Oh, only one of you has to take it. No, there's actually more than one triple strength drink because Oof. it says the bartender's a little tipsy and mistakes are made. <laughs> Rough. Which I think is very funny. <laughs> is it meant for like four contestants? Pretty much, yeah. But because you're only really competing against yourself to try and beat those numbers, I figured we could just do it one-on-one. Yeah. The, inten- sure. the tension here is that at least somebody wins. There is a second game that maybe we'll play one day with Seymour Wiener that I think he'll be really, really well-built for. Yeah. So, we'll he's, see. He's got some speed. Yeah. I think that'll come in handy and maybe part two of this adventure we shall see but thank you for playing the lucky drunks challenge today you said you were going to pick one of the crooked kin i was worried you were going to come out with like one of the pinheads or something (laughs) i I haven't statted them out (laughs) not great remember remember, like in the courthouse i had three of them statted out right i had seymour Mm -hmm. sajira and captain caleb statted out so i was like i had their sheets i literally just got to take them down by one level yeah to play this so Ooh, Sajira or Captain Caleb would have been fun to see in a drinking competition. But Seymour Wiener, I think, was the right call. What was your fortitude save, by the uh, way? Plus seven. Plus seven. So this wasn't easy. That was not easy at all. Well, I mean, that's You're... about as good as you can get at yeah. level four PC. Yeah. I mean, I could have I could have had higher con. I didn't build him with like the best con in the world. Yeah, I think, like you said, you were close to getting that last one. And you really just would have had to get one more save to win. Making 11 drinks would be tough. It would be pretty tough, but oh yeah, I, I think I think I might have pulled it off had I put my bonus, my level four bonus into con, mm. which would have brought me to sixteen, which would have given me six or seven safety drinks, right? Because it was three times two plus one. Yes. So it would have given me seven safety drinks, mm. and my uh, fortitude save would be a plus eight. Yes. So not a gimme to outlast because you still could pull like doubles and triples mm-hmm. early on. Yeah, yeah. But if you pulled ones or maybe a one or a two mi- or maybe a two mixed in there, you could have made it just on the safety drinks alone. Right. So thank you for playing Lucky Drunk. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And I think it's time for questions. Yeah, it is for sure. So Haley, what is our first question for the night? All right, so the first question that I have saved here is from Eric or Ten Lawn Gnomes. What is it like playing low-level characters again? Sure, Matumbe hits the floor a lot, but do you need to adjust how you play while bestow curse characters are still a bit squishy? Oh, man. Uh, You're going to find out in a couple days. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying playing with low-level characters again. I like it a lot. What scares me is that one of our stories could get cut super, super short. That's what that's that's what I'm scared about is that like I haven't had the opportunity to tell Vex full story yet. So if he dies in the upcoming weeks or in episode 15 or something or whatever, when he's still level one or two, you know, that's that would be really tough for me in a way that previous deaths have not been. You definitely have the issue here where you are more invested in the character than probably the listeners are. Mm -hmm. 
at this point, just because you have so much backstory you want to tell. And I know you guys all worked really hard on the Bestow Curse characters specifically, but I don't think the death would hit as hard from a listener perspective because it's just, it's someone that you just met. You're 100% correct. I would be crushed if Vec died. I think people would be surprised and not happy if Vec died, but I don't think anyone is going to like be super beat up about it besides me. Yeah. I mean, we're at such early stages with bestow curse that none of you have come to me with like a backup character at all. Oh no. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily expect you to because that's tough. Mm -hmm. That goes into our next question actually from DeMuth, which is for uh, Steve and myself, as combat becomes more rocket tag, do we have backup characters waiting? I believe that's in reference to Arcarian Crown. I, I imagine so, be, yeah. because you oh, guys yeah. are starting to get to the levels where it's going to get, like, first round death. Haley, what are your thoughts on that? I um, I have a backup. And well, clearly. You, <laughs> you guys have all met her. Um and that continues to be my backup. So um, Tulia will be my backup unless something happens. So I do have a backup character and she's waiting and she's already been introduced. So that should be a good kind of transition. And I have a backup character that none of you have met, which I have been leveling up every level up since I think five or six. Yeah, you probably earlier than that. Probably, actually. Yeah, I think you introduced him to me while you guys were still in the prison. It was when we were still doing lots and lots of fire pits in your backyard, which was like two and a half years ago now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was really early. I think you introduced him to me around the time that episode 18 happened. Yeah. And you guys realized that, like, oh, shit, this is getting real. I have lots of care and love in my heart for all of the characters that I'm playing right now. So Matumbe and Vec and stuff. But what people probably don't know or realize is that I also have just as much love in my heart for this backup character that has never touched the story or has not been introduced. Because I've kind of imagined him parallel to the story this entire time because I have a past and a present and a future in mind for this character. I have an entire story built out in my head Griffin and I have talked about how we can work him in and some of the cool things that we can do. To me, he's the non-canon, like, fifth PC right now, which he's always been in my head. But we'll see if I'd ever need him. Who knows? Hopefully not. Well, I mean, but I really, really, really love my backup character. We'll see if it ever happens. You know, no direct spoilers, but I think people are going to meet him before he's needed. Hmm. I was talking around that, but yes, that is a, a nice little teaser. There is something cooking, which will be very fun, I think. But we can't talk about it anymore. Yes, Haley and I both have backup characters. Hers you've met, mine you haven't quite yet. But I think when you do, some people are going to fall in love with him just as much as... Ooh, I've already spoiled the gender. Just as much as I have. So we'll see. Do you want another question? Yes. All right. So we've got two kind of on this book five along those lines. So mm -hmm. Demuth has asked, do you have a timeline of when the first episode of book five will likely come out? But maybe before that, you might want to answer this because sure. Demuth also asked, 
to Griffin specifically, is there an interlude planned between book four and five at all? Read between the lines of what we just said. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was not going to say anything, but... Um, Yes, there is something really cool between book four and five planned. Except actually planned. Except, yeah. This time. Mm -hmm. Except planned. Uh, And I think it's gonna make a lot of people happy. That said, book five, I believe would be standard episode. Uh, Where are we now? We dropped 150 not that long ago. Yep. It'll be book five before 160 for sure. At least um, in terms of where book four is wrapping up. Very cool. Very cool. Lots to look forward to. And book five. Don't we, quote me on it. I mean, it might yeah. do some dumb shit, but <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're, we're on my timeline, we, we got about just a little bit more book four left. Yeah. Also take with a grain of salt that this is coming from the same guy that every time we record an evil interlude, it's like, oh, this is going to be like one or two episodes. And then it's like five. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> fucking straight banger after banger. So can't argue with quality. Can't argue quality. All right. What do you got for us, Saley? All right. From Eric. Now that the gang is in the home stretch for book four, has your opinion on the Eldritch horror genre changed? I still don't really think it's right for Pathfinder. I think you guys are getting a lot more hyped about stuff that I've thrown in that isn't in the book than you would have about things that were. Yeah, I I like it. I, I've kind of always been intrigued by Eldritch Horror. I enjoy it a lot. I don't know that book four has really changed my perception on it. It's just that in getting ready for book four and playing through book four, I've been exposed to a lot more of it and a lot more of the tropes. So I feel like I'm just getting more comfortable with it. My perception on it hasn't changed. I'm just more familiar. I don't think I like it as much in my gothic horror. I know it's a part of gothic horror. I don't like it as much as I like the rest of gothic horror still to this day. I hope I'm still doing a good job at mm-hmm. portraying the, you know, Eldritch Horror stuff. Job, but like, that's not. This was my. Uh, this was the book I was least enthused about until Emily made a great character that looped into it. Doctor Viv. But yeah, Doctor Viv's coming back <laughs> third time. <laughs> Get her, bring her back. That's right. No, it's a. Uh... It's cool. It is a little bit of a standout. And I know that is true. A lot of people run book four of this by itself mm-hmm. because yeah, it is an people odd man out do. book. Yeah. And if you want to run a, you know, level nine to 11 Eldritch Horror book for your party, this is a great one to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit like the color out of space is in it. It's cool. Yeah. But for me, my opinion hasn't really changed from running it. Yeah. I, I think it would shine a lot better if it's by itself, whether you just run the book by itself or play like a strange Aeons. I think about how epic the final stretch of book three was, which maybe was accentuated by the fact that episode 100 happened there. Mm-hmm. But this feels a lot smaller scale than that, which is kind of a bummer. You know what I mean? In, in, in a lot of ways, it's like just you guys. Right. I'm not sure it's smaller scale, although I think you're probably right. But the, where I'm coming from is that it constantly feels like a diversion. This may change as we find more plot stuff out, but it really feels like 
we're pursuing the Whispering Way and their machinations for three books, and then we do something completely different for 30 episodes, and then we're going to be back on the Whispering Way. Yeah, I mean, way. the point of this book is that you're still pursuing them, right? But, you know, you're finding out now that... Okay, well, where is this fucking Dark Rider? We've seen, like, shit right, from him right. over and over. The horse didn't leave, so where is he? Mm-hmm. I'll give you two guesses to where he is. Wherever book five starts. That was the other Dark Rider. There were two. See, I was right. All right, next question. All right, we got another question from Demuth. You've talked about how you want Curse to reach a broader audience by changing some things from the Carrying Crown podcast. Mm -hmm. How hard is it to maintain the PG rating on Curse? Can I give my opinion? Yeah, go ahead. My opinion is uh, with the story being lighter and the concept of the story in and of itself is less harsh my character's a little bit lighter all of those things together make it a lot easier to just not be as harsh in my language and in some of the things that we do because things feel lighter that's that's the perfect answer it's a different campaign it's different characters yeah, I need to be careful about dropping F-bombs, but besides that, because I'm playing a lighthearted character in a story that is not, you know, mired in the living dead and eldritch horrors and the tortures of Zonkuthan, like, I don't have to worry about R-rated material quite as much or censor myself as much as I thought I might have. I think it's just, at this point, I'm a little cognizant about my F-bombs, but besides that, it's not bad. Yeah. I mean, the humor is certainly a lot harder. Yeah. We're not talking about like busting loads and stuff anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'd say like there's a lot of low hanging fruit that we hit on HLP. That is <laughs> yeah. why people are like, oh, you guys have great banter on that show. Yeah. Cause we're all vulgar people. <laughs> we like have, you know, these horrible comebacks to uh, things people say innocently. Mm-hmm. And when you take that away, it makes it the humor a little bit more difficult to come by. I mean, the humor is certainly there, but it's not dick jokes all the time. To be fair, I think what what works in our favor there is that, God, I hope he's not listening, but I think Chris is like a low-key comedic genius, and he does not have to be vulgar to be absolutely side-splittingly hilarious. Yeah, that helps us a lot. I've talked to a lot of people about Bestow Curse, and they love his like dry Diego humor where he plays like a very down the center of the road character but says very very funny things Mm -hmm. and I think he is a integral part in making the show fun and lighthearted without crossing into or relying on vulgar humor yeah we have two shows for a reason right if you like the vulgar humor and stuff keep listening to HLP because it's going to stay that way because we (laughs) we're not going to change the show now yeah, we it's might cut the slurps late. out a little bit, but we're not going to change the show now. And a lot of people like like to equate that to like an everybody at the table experience. But I think Bestow Curse is the same way in that when we get a comment that kids are listening to the show and enjoying the show, that's cool. That's awesome. That's something I would never expect, even though we made it clean. We had somebody join our Discord say that, like, all her kids, like, age 7 to 13 listen. 
And they had so many fun, cool, positive things about the show to say. Yeah. And, and that, that all of them happen with HLP. All of them said Feck were their favorite. Yeah. Well, it's just because you're the most vocal and have the goofiest voice. Well, hey, you know. What can I say? Hey, you know me? what? You know what makes. Um, you know how to get the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Award. That's for sure. Boy, if I could just get that Nickelodeon Kids Choice Award. That's what this has all been building to. Yeah. Catch me on OnlyFans getting that Nickelodeon. That's a long way to answer Good to Lord. your question. I think I prefer sounding a little bit more buttoned up. I kind of like it. It makes me feel like this is more of a real thing in terms of a business than HLP, which it's not to say that I don't love the shows equally, but HLP feels more like a passion project, fun thing. And Bestow Curse feels a little bit more like a, this is really fun, but this is like, because of all of our hard work, this is allowed to happen. And so we need to be watching ourselves. We need to be doing that kind of stuff. So that's my take on it. Yeah. Haley, we got some questions. We do. So on the Bestow Curse field of thoughts mm -hmm. here, uh, Bippy asked, with Steve's new love for Twilight, yep. why isn't Beck a vampire yet? Well, yeah, here's the yeah, thing. So that, yeah. I had not seen Twilight before I created the character of Vec. And now that I have, we're going to be doing some significant retconning. <laughs> <laughs> I came in with my backup character, Vok. <laughs> and he is a vampire, also played by Robert Pattinson. <laughs> yes. Reginald Esmeralda Mayberry. I'm going to go by Renesme. No. All right, next question. Steve, this is a question for you. Bippy is asking, regarding the dice giveaway. Yes. Are you announcing the dice giveaway after the last episode airs of Deepmire, or what, what, what's going on? It will be announced on the day of the final episode drop. So I think that's July 27th. I'm not positive on that date, but it is going to be whenever episode 12 of season two of Link Legacy drops. We're going to make a big social media and um, we'll obviously post it to the Patreon because that's where all of you are down there. <laughs> so we'll do a little, I, I don't know, like blog post, whatever, like, hey, so and so won this. And then you're going to have to take a picture of yourself with the dice and send it to us. You really think a lot of people like taking pictures of themselves as much as you, Steve, but that's not. You're going to have case. to send it to us. That's not the case. <laughs> that's not that's not a part of what you signed up for by signing up for our Patreon, by the way. You don't have to take a picture of yourself. We love to see your smiling faces, but... You can send it just to me. It's fine. Okay, next question. <laughs> All right. So that was like last time when we said we do the kissy faces. <laughs> well, we haven't made a good on that promise yet. I don't know that we've had to. We have another one uh, from Bippy. Mm -hmm. Can you guys make an... The Asylum Studios style knockoff of a Pathfinder APR module. Ooh. <laughs> Griffin, hold on before you say anything. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Best question we've ever got. <laughs> it's up there for sure. <laughs> Fun fact the Asylum follows us on Twitter. They which do, yeah. Blows my mind. And with our license, we could probably talk to <laughs> Asylum. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's. Are you hinting at the between book four and five material? 
Asylum Pictures. Will my backup... Hideous Laughter Productions presents... Will my character... My backup character fight Croctopus? Croctopus. Or Two-Headed Shark? Uh, That's a great idea. I think to replace the more serious creatures with something goofy might help Mm -hmm. make it like an Asylum style movie. I don't know how you like make it shitty. What you need to do is take an established adventure path and exchange some of the words for very close things. This is similar to how Bang Energy names their flavors. Ah, yes. Purple Kittles. Definitely not Purple Skittles. It's got to be something like that. Okay. So you've got Iron Gods. Maybe that's Steel deities. Steel deities. There you go. Perfect. Roadkill hat. Roadkill hat. <laughs> Got mummy's mask. Maybe a wrapped human facial covering. That's You've pretty good. A dead pharaoh. <laughs> dead pharaoh. Yeah. Hey, real go- great point here. Um, there are a couple questions on what is the asylum? Oh, yeah, that's that's a great question here. So for those of you that don't know, Asylum Pictures is a production studio that makes a lot of knockoffs of movies to try and get people to rent or purchase them when they think they're buying the regular thing. They make uh, films like Transmorphers, which is obviously a rip on Transformers. They're also the studio behind things like Sharknado and Two-Headed Shark and all of those like really nasty sci-fi creature features that have terrible CGI and zero budget. I don't want to call them a predatory studio, but because they could be a future partner of ours. <laughs> I won't call them predatory here. So I won't do that. So yeah, you, you'd have to make kind of a crappy version of one of the modules or APs. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, book two, Rise of the Rune Lords, uh, Fox Mitten Manor. Next question. Fox Mitten Manor. <laughs> we have another, like, kind of fun one here. Okay. From Vippy. What would be your favorite spell with, like, one letter change? Ooh. <laughs> this is really tough because one I letter. don't have a list of spells in front of me. Yeah. There are thousands of Pathfinder spells. Hmm. So... I mean, okay. There's already a ridiculous spell. Go ahead. <laughs> Isn't Waves of Ecstasy a spell? Yes. That's actually the one that I was uh, workshopping in my head. I, I, I was going to go Shaves think, of Ecstasy. No, 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 no. I think you turn it into Raves of Ecstasy and turn oh. everyone into raving gear and bump up the jams. I think that'd be great. I don't think I'm going yeah, to answer this question because Raves <laughs> of Ecstasy is clearly the best thing ever. <laughs> Yeah, no, I refuse to answer this question because I can't beat that. I, I literally <laughs> cannot beat that. I just think it'd be so great to all of a sudden turn all of the armor and medieval garb, essentially, and then let's just turn that into rave gear. <laughs> and you're all on ecstasy. Yeah, <laughs> yes. perfect. Yeah, you're thinking, Griff. I am thinking. I got a lot in my head. It's killing him that he doesn't have something to throw out there. That's a really tough one to I mean, I was, like I was, the rip. I was really thinking, um, you know, I really like pickled food. Okay. And I was thinking power word dill. <laughs> Anything instantly. Wait, do you turn them to a pickle? Bop. Pickled. <laughs> Wait, 
pickled or a pickle? No, pickled. <laughs> I'm the I'm the pickle wizard. Bowertail. That sucks so bad. I love it. That's my favorite thing. I don't know if I like things anymore, but I like that. <laughs> oh, it's a bad movie of letter swap spells. Oh, God. That was really good. Dear Lord. All right. All right. I'm power word dill. I think maybe then that's probably enough. I mean, how can we beat that? That's it. I don't know. We keep thinking for long enough. But maybe we should think in the after part. <laughs> what? If, <laughs> oh, you're thinking though. <laughs> what if you turn haste into paste? And you just like Elmer's glue just. Is that <laughs> another version of slowed? It's like grease, but stickier. Oh, God. All right, everybody. Well, we're going to be in the Drunken Discorderly channel for the after party. So catch us there. Super exciting. Wait. Come on. Hold on. I got one more. All right. <laughs> Don't end it yet. <laughs> Winter time. Yep. Things get messy on the roads. Why would you cast slow when you could cast plow? You thought that was that good? That you wanted to stop the Mr. ending of the Plow? show? You want to stop the ending of the show for Don't that? Don't stop the ending. Hold on. <laughs> no. You know, you know what, Haley? I think this was the right call. <laughs> <laughs> I think turning slow into plow. Because well, it doesn't rhyme, so it's harder best. to think of. Fuck, that's so fucking funny. <laughs> and you can use it in a lot more context, too, like the bedroom. That's what I was thinking. Why would you cast slow in the bedroom when you could cast plow? There are horny milfs in your area. <laughs> cast plow. Power word dill. Huh? All right. Well, hit us up in the Drunken Discordly channel after this for the after party. We're going to be hanging out, drinking a couple more of these PBR hard seltzers. But next time on the Zone of Truth, I've got something very fun and cool to announce. We're going to be reviewing the new Pathfinder 2E source book, The Milwaukee Expanse, and have a little bit of an insight into some of those other 7-7 releases. We're going to have Chris on. He's going to be discussing the Fists of the Ruby Phoenix spoiler-free adventure path. That's going to be really exciting. It I'm really excited really to hear cool. you talk about The Milwaukee Expanse because of any of us, you've had the most... I think research put into the Mwangi in general and how it was in first edition. So you're going to have a lot to say. I'll tell you what right now, best source book of Tui. It's so good. It's so much fun. There's so much cool stuff. I don't have a lot of the cultural context that maybe some other people do, but I love it. It's so cool. So much love and passion and heart went into it. I can't wait to talk about it. You'll catch us next time, two weeks from this. But in the meantime, Griffin, what do you want to say to these folks before we call it? Finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later. Later.